Hey folks, just a quick FYI here. As you listen through this episode, you might notice my audio is a bit echoey. The reason for that is there was an issue with the main audio that was recording and we had to switch to the backup. So not a huge deal, but it is a bit echoey. And I just want to let you know before like people, you know, send us messages through Twitter, like, you know, what the heck's wrong with the sound? You sound crazy. That's all there is to it. Other than that, enjoy. Welcome to the 80s and 90s Uncensored, the podcast about the 80s and 90s for people who care about that crap. I am Milo Dennison, and with me is... Jamie Fenderson, and today we're talking about the most memorable events of the 1980s. Yeah, so this isn't multiple memorable events. This was the task you gave was think of the thing that you remember most that impacted you most. Uh, that was it. So when you when you told me... And I'm like, okay, there was one thing that instantly came to mind and we had to come up with two. So then I was like, well, what else is really memorable from 1980 to 1989? And so I've got two. Okay. And I've got two as well, which makes the list of four, which is one of our segments list of four, but we we didn't want to do four each because we want to actually talk more about these things. So we were doing two each for a total of four. And we were both pretty young in the 80s. So, you know, how much can you really remember from your childhood? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's from a child's perspective. (laughs) Um, So a child of the 80s perspective of historical events. Mm -hmm. So what I think what we can do is you do one, I do one, you do one, I do one. Okay. Here's a here's a cool little twist. Mm -hmm. You could name the date and year first and then see if the other guy can guess it. Okay. Because that'll make it interesting, like a little game. Okay. All right. I think that'll be kind of fun, yeah? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Okay. I've got a serious one and a a fun one. I do, too. Really? Okay. Do you want to go with a serious one? Yeah, because this is also a revealed. Yes. Right? List of four revealed. Um, And I have a kind of a lighthearted one and then a serious one as well. Milo, we're like brothers from another mother. That's funny. Who got knocked up in the 70s. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. It's crazy. All right. Do you want serious or humorous? Uh, let's, let's, let's start out with humorous and then end it with something more grim. Okay. So that, that people can ponder their lives or something. Okay. Perfect. Well, so my first one then happened in 1985, January 20th, 1985. January 20th, 1985. Yep. So I get one guess. Yep. Is that the right year? Hopefully I got the right year. Is that, or was it 86? Uh, get your 80s years straight, old boy. <laughs> I know, totally. <laughs> it's a big difference. Uh-huh. Um, one year can make a big difference. This 80, time last... 86, 86 is the correct year. Sorry. Same date, January 26th, 1986. January 26th. 1986. Yes. Uh, I don't know. The is that when um, is that when Big Trouble in Little China came out? Nope. So okay. that for me is the first time I remember ever watching the Super Bowl as a child. So my parents left the house, you know, obviously off to a bar somewhere to get drunk. And it was me and my uh, sis, you know, siblings and stuff. And, and so we're like, hey, Super Bowl, kids watching Super Bowl. But the thing that remember, and that was uh, the Chicago Bears beat the New England Patriots 46 to 10. Oh, that's and back when the Patriots used, used to lose Super Bowls. Exactly. 
and the Bears used to win them. <laughs> <laughs> and so the thing was that that was when you remember uh, William the Refrigerator Perry, or do you know that name? Oh yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah, so he he was on the Bears at the time, and he's kind of distinguished for being one of the largest rookie linemen. Uh, he weighed three hundred and eighty pounds. Oh my! Yeah, and what was interesting about that game is you uh, he he made touchdowns. Like he was this massive guy. They threw the ball to him a couple times. And I remember a play where like, I don't even remember if it was that Super Bowl or it was a different game that he was in, but he basically had like a couple guys holding on to him and he basically just dragged them across the touchdown line because he was just this big, huge, huge guy. So he made two touchdowns and caught a pass for another touchdown and he's not a receiver. Like that's how, <laughs> like, it's amazing to watch this just giant, massive guy like move. Um, and after each time he scored a touchdown, his just exuberant enthusiasm and happiness and cheers for having done it was just amazing to watch. And you can watch replays on it on YouTube now. It's also happens to remain the, as I mentioned, the heaviest player to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And he has the largest Super Bowl ring at size 25. And of course, you had the uh, Super Chicago, the, the Chicago Bears Super Bowl shuffle. There was like a five minute long song that they. Oh, gosh. Yep. Hold on. Can you hear that? <laughs> no. Do I want to? All right. How about now? Yeah. Oh, that's awful. It's so awful. Oh, no. 86. Yeah. What happened there? That, and that song is five minutes long. Five and a half oh. minutes. It just goes oh. on and on and on. The Super Bowl shuffle. You could use that to torture people. Yeah. Like strap them down <laughs> and play that Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> oh, I remember that now. You, I don't I don't think I thought it was cool back then either. It's no, pretty horrible. You've probably blocked it out mentally. It's, you know, I did. Thank trauma. you for bringing up those traumatic memories of the Super Bowl shuffle. That's great. Yeah. Now I'm going to go to bed thinking of that tonight. Thank you, you will. Milo. Yeah. When you when you go to sleep tonight, be like, it's Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> oh, I'm putting that. I'm I'm putting the video in the in the podcast page too. So people. Oh, you definitely should put that in there so people can watch. They can just they can just check it out mm -hmm. and just you know be tortured to torture themselves. Okay, so I'm gonna go with my light light one. Yeah. All right. All right. Here's here's my date. Ready? October eighteenth, nineteen eighty five. Eighty October nineteen eighty five. Five. Don't go uh, looking on the internet. No, no, no. Eighty style. Sorry, sorry. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, Cheater, dude. You got to guess. Uh, okay, October. Say it again. October eighteenth, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, October eighteenth, nineteen eighty-five. This one, I don't remember anything from the eighties. So this would have been getting around Halloween. Uh, it's a funny one, so it's not going to be something too serious. I have, I have no clue. No clue. Okay. Can I get uh, a hint? No, I'll just tell you. All right. It's the North American release of the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, see, I was poor and I didn't even know a Nintendo Well, existed I was poor too. But until like the, the 90s, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was poor too, but I remember when it came out and we mm -hmm. couldn't get one because because I was poor too, right? Mm -hmm. And it was expensive back then. But we had 
video stores, right? And not just blockbusters, like independently owned video stores. Yeah. And you could go rent one, including like the the zapper gun um, and, and the robot, which I don't know what that did, but wow. I could rent a Nintendo Entertainment System and some games from the locally owned, independently owned video store. 1985. I did not know Nintendo was that old. Well, yeah, it, it was in Japan like two years earlier. Wow. But, but uh, it re- it was released in 1985. Hmm. And it was a it's a big event for me because I probably spent most of my childhood playing Nintendo, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. So all the all the potential that I could have had as a successful adult was was drained away into that machine. And I remember that because we, we had an Atari 2600 or something before that, but it was kind of kind of lame, like one joystick and one button. And, and you wanted to play it a little bit, but then you wanted to do things like go outside or read a book. But then the Nintendo Entertainment System came out and that whole going outside book reading thing went out the door for the rest of the 80s because um, it, it was awesome. And so I remember that uh, when it came out because it was a huge event. Like you remember blowing in the cartridges, even that. That's just oh, totally, a, like yeah. a memory in my head from the from the from the mid 80s yeah. all the way through the 80s yeah. blown in those cartridges didn't play right you have to pull it out blow in it put it back in yeah or or getting a, like a game genie later where you where it had all these cheat codes if you plugged in it into the golden <laughs> game genie stuff like that and i remember specifically the day that i finally beat mike tyson in mike tyson's punch out because mm-hmm. i had I spent hours and hours and hours like trying to beat the work my way up and beating all these guys and i finally got to mike tyson and Mike Tyson beat the crap out of me all the time because he wasn't predictable like the other guys were. There was no pattern. You just kind of had to wing it like in real boxing. And he beat me and he beat me and he beat me. And then one day I finally got him. And it was the best day of my childhood. Like I freaked out, dude. And everybody in my house was like, what's going on with Jamie? I just beat Mike Tyson. My life is complete. Your life peaked in 1985. Yeah. And for, for you kids out there, this is like one little like four uh, four directional pad, mm-hmm. a start and select button, an A and B button. And that was it, right? But that was a lot compared to just one joystick and a red button. Yeah. And I remember the pad being weird because you like navigate with your thumb and you're like, I need a joystick. Like this is weak. How do I yeah. move things around without a joystick? And yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that was the North American release of the Nintendo Entertainment System was October 18th, 1985. Wow. Uh, and that impacted my life um, until the Super Nintendo came out and I threw that away. Yeah, that that's uh, that was my lighthearted one. Well, I wonder if our serious one's the same then. Maybe so they are. Did it happen on January 28th, 1986? Yeah. yeah. If, if you were alive in the 80s... 80s yeah, there's that. That's the most memorable thing from the '80s. Like when you suggested this, the first thing that came to my mind was this. Yep. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, do you want to say it? All right. So if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, that would be the space shuttle Challenger uh, disaster exploding. So Krista McCulloch, the first supposed to be first teacher in space, that it was just an amazing. It's burned into your memory. Yeah. Well. Mrs. McAuliffe was our like America's teacher. Right. Mm -hmm. And they sent her up there specifically like to to be elementary school kids teacher up in space for all of America. So 
everybody was pretty excited about it. And we, we were all watching. I don't know about you. We were all watching that launch. Yes. Cool. Yes. I remember that. That's the thing I was trying to remember, like, cause it's interesting because of the grade level that we were so young and I, mm-hmm. it's amazing that the teachers were showing that on the screen and then to have that happen. What's interesting though, is I don't remember being traumatized by it. You know, like you'd think you'd be like, Oh my God, that, but I remember it happening, but it, it didn't traumatize me like you might think it would. No. And I, and I think it's because it was so, it was so unbelievable, you know, because we were all watching it and we were supposed to, you know, Krista McAuliffe was supposed to go up there and then talk to us. And, and, uh, and then it, it, it exploded. And I think it was just so unbelievable that I don't, I don't know if you could feel anything like, it's like, did that just happen? Um, and I remember later when when the president, he was supposed to give the State of the Union address that day, but then he came on to address the nation. And I remember mm-hmm. watching that in his speech. He was almost like talking to the school kids. He's like, hey, this thing really happened, guys. And and and, you know, sometimes if you want to be space heroes, like bad things happen or something like this. Yeah. Um, but I, I think like whether it like really traumatized you or, or, or not, or I mean, you definitely remember it. And I think every school child in the eighties at least had a taste of what loss looks like and what tragedy is. I think every school kid in the eighties grew up just a little bit that day, you know, and I think later, maybe not that day, but later you, you kind of internalize it and you're like, wow, Mrs. McAuliffe was supposed to talk to us and she's not going to because she's, she's gone. Uh, I don't know if for a kid, it's, it's a trip because it's heavy. Right. Yeah. But as a kid, like you don't understand mortality that well at that age. Yeah. You know? it, it, it's it, the, the whole concept of it. I mean, you know what death is, but I guess the concept and the, the, you know, finiteness of it and the, how, you know, how that's it, death. And it, it doesn't quite register you because, you know, as that child at that age, you're, you're too invincible. You're too into your own world to really register that type of a world, I think. Yeah. And you you might even be a little desensitized because kids in the eighties, you know, our parents just didn't care that much about what we watched. Hey, RoboCop, watch that. That's cool. (laughs) Child's play, whatever. So maybe you're even a little desensitized, but it's, it's still, it's still shock. I mean, even as a kid, I remember at least being shocked somewhat like, or maybe even just a little confused is that that wasn't supposed to happen. Was it? Yeah. What? It just did one of those unexpected things. And it kind of makes me wonder like how kids in 2001 were thinking about like the terrorist attacks when they're seeing these buildings fall down. Mm. And I, I'm a, I'm a, I was an adult at that time and I'm pissed and I'm shocked and I'm angry, but I I don't know how does a kid feel like how did they, like when you're a kid, you don't really get it. Like you said, the sense of mortality is is not quite there yet, like it is today. Now that we're we're probably closer to it than not. <laughs> yeah, we know what's going to happen. <laughs> we're like now we're like, oh man. Yeah, TikTok, dude. Yeah. But back then, it's like you don't really think about it, and, and no. when you see that, and and when you actually hear that all of those astronauts died in that accident, and that your teacher, who is going to talk to you, is one of them. I don't know. You just, it's memorable though. And that's why I think we both picked it because it's something we both remember. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you can't couldn't have been alive then and not vividly remember that. Yeah, crazy. So I guess this is kind of a list of three then. Yeah, an intentional list. Well, this is well. Yeah, I mean, it was bound to happen. I mean, we both picked the uh, uh, kit on our cars one. So well, we, and the truck, also and the GMC one. truck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it happens. It does it happen. Happens. It does happen. I, I was thinking too about. Like I tell my son about the, like we're talking about historical events mm-hmm. and now I'm that guy who talks about the old days, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the geezer, but I think, I think it's a little different because I remember my grandfather talking about the good old days. Um, you know, there was a huge economic depression and it took a horrible global war to get, get him out of it, but it was still the good old days because he was young. Right. Yeah. And then like my, my parents' generation or my uncles or whatever, they go, oh, the 60s and 70s were awesome, man. Yeah, everybody was just kind of drugged out and there was all this civil strife and, and we had this horrible war that uh, killed a bunch of people and we didn't win that one. But it was awesome, you know, because they were young. But now I'm telling my kid about the 80s and the 90s and how awesome they were. But I think it's, I think they were better. Like they were. <laughs> oh no, if, you're, you're your parents. I know my parents, but, I, but listen, oh. hear me out. Like eighties and nineties, there was just kind of a, all the technologies that we have today were, were being cultivated and propagated. Um, and like we had, we had a war, but it was short and we, we won it. <laughs> um, the economy was booming. So even though I was young, I still think it was better than today because like, like he's growing up, there's like this weird president and like people storming the Capitol and the global pandemic and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, dude, I'm sorry that you got to grow up in this time and not when I grew up. But unlike <laughs> generations before, I think it's actually true. But it could be because I'm just old, man. Because the 80s, I mean, if you were gay, it still wasn't necessarily the best time to be, especially because that was the AIDS pandemic. Or, and, you know, they still didn't have equal rights. Uh, yeah, Lord. but at least they were getting there, right? Yeah, yeah. Even Hollywood and Mannequin, remember him? He was yeah. like wardrobe. Eighties style is the worst. You was know? it worse than the seventies? The seventies were pretty bad. I'd say they're very close, but I mean, seventies had the bell bottoms, which in in fact are the worst wardrobe item ever. Dude, and everything but, was mustard yellow. And yeah, but the eighties had, had looked like caveman beards and stuff. It was the, awful. The big hair, the girls wore like sweaters down to their knees with a belt on the outside. You had parachute pants, you had uh, neon everything, you know. What's so bad about any of that? Awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. So what's your point, man? Like, uh, <laughs> I don't I think, know. I think each era had its own. Like the 60s were cool. You had the free love, you had the go-go boots, uh, a lot of cool stuff in the 60s. Free, yeah, free love, like no responsibility. And, yeah. And everybody was on drugs. That's like, right. There's nothing, there's, there's, there's nothing good about that. It sounds fine. I, I see. Later no on, they paid for that, right? Well, that's later on, man. Worry about that. With, with Generation X worry, kids. Worry about that <laughs> later, later, Grandpa. You know, <laughs> enjoy the peace, love, and happiness while it's happening, bro. Okay. Well, that's it, huh? All right. Well, you know how to reach us, podcast listeners. You can get us on Twitter at the 80s and 90s.com. You can jump over to our website at the 80s and 90s.com and let us know what's your most memorable moment from the 1980s. And are you as nostalgic about it as my friend, Mr. Fenderson here? Or are you a little dubious, such as myself? 
And uh, we might, uh, I don't know, read some comments or something on a later show. And with that, we are out of here like the O-rings on the rocket boosters of the Space Shuttle Challenger. Ouch. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. Oh, still, no, you didn't. Is it still too soon? <laughs> Did you, you, oh, it's you going to be too soon, dude. <laughs> wanna hear, you want to hear it? Yeah, okay, like so the, like the last time you did the Kurt Cobain thing, you're brutal. <laughs> oh, you want to hear that's something? That's gonna be your that's gonna be your stick now, though. <laughs> how bad can he get? <laughs> how bad? How bad can he end the show? Yeah. How, how many people can he piss off on the sign off? That's gonna be the hard part. It's gonna have to keep coming up with stuff. I shouldn't have started doing that in the first place. <laughs> uh, you want to hear a joke that's in bad taste? Okay. All right. How do you, and I remember this from my childhood, by the way, I've, I still remember this. this is probably the first joke I ever learned. How do you know what shampoo Krista McCulloch used? Have you heard this one? No. They found her head and shoulders on the beach. Oh, and no. Awful. Awful. Yeah. I never heard that one. Oh yeah. Oh, that's so morbid. It's so morbid. And it's so bad that I learned that joke as a child. I just heard it for the first time because I, I didn't grow up in Spokane, man. <laughs> That's true. Jeez. I did learn it in Spokanistan. <laughs> uh, very poor taste joke, audience. Very, very poor taste. And do not repeat that. And I do not endorse that joke in any way, shape, or form. I don't know this 